This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hello and welcome back. I'm Nikolai Zikolko, co-director of the Mac Institute and professor of management here at Wharton. And this is Mastering Innovation on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Now, I'm thrilled to introduce my next guest, Danny Lang. Uh, he's the vice president of AI and machine learning at Unity Technologies. And Danny's history with machine learning and AI is really very, very impressive. So way back in the late 1990s, he led the design of General Motors OnStar, which was really the first widespread computerized assistant. Uh, Danny was the principal development manager at Microsoft, where he was leading a product team focused on large-scale machine learning for big data. Then Danny was the general manager of Amazon Machine Learning. Then Danny was the head of machine learning at Uber. So, wow, Danny, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. I've really been looking forward to speaking to you. Great. Now, now you're the vice president of AI and machine learning at Unity Technology. And so Unity Technologies is like a game development platform that's used by half of the world's mobile games. But maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit more about you know, Unity and what, what you're doing there. Yeah, so yeah, so Unity is the most popular gaming platform uh, today. Uh, it, it's really, really widely used. And uh, what is more natural than start thinking about putting some of the latest uh, AI capabilities to, to the fingertips of all those game developers and allowing them to, to create more uh, impressive and more innovative games? Mm-hmm. So someone with your CV... You can basically pick your job, right? Um, so, what what attracted you to Unity? Yeah, you you ask in a very nice way. Some <laughs> other people ask differently and say, you know, what are you doing there? <laughs> Why didn't you go no. to Facebook or somewhere else? Yeah, uh, and it's it's actually. Uh, it's actually the best place to be, uh-huh. and I'm not. It's not here because just pitching Unity, but it's the fact that people overlook gaming is the number one driver for leading edge AI. Uh-huh. When you work on when you work on AI in, in 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 Amazon, let's say Amazon, and you try to do book recommendations, yeah, it's sort of a very abstract thing. Yeah, or you try to build a self-driving car. Well, that's a really dangerous thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when you look at gaming, it's really like a, a virtual biodome of the real world where, that we live in. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You, can, you can basically simulate all kinds of scenarios that are very, very natural to us as human beings. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually experiment with the algorithms that can solve these problems. Yeah? So that is really putting gaming and the game engine at the core of leading edge AI. Mm-hmm. So... It's AI as facilitator for simulation. Should I put it that way? Kind of gaming as a big simulation? Yeah. You, gaming allows you to create these massive simulations of realistic mm-hmm. uh, 3D problems that we, the world we live in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you find through, how do you navigate through a maze? How do you solve a problem that has sequences, you know, find the key to the treasure chest? then take what's in the chest and bring it somewhere else and trade Mm -hmm. it for something else. All those things are very real-world things. Mm -hmm. But in games, you can do it at high speed on thousands of servers, Mm -hmm. and you can really simulate, and in that way, 
challenge your algorithms to to you know to the to the absolute yeah. edge of what 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 is possible. Yeah. Yeah. So AI obviously has been around for a long time. Uh, but it's really sort of in the last couple of years that we've seen really amazing progress. Now, I think you've already answered my question. So my question was kind of what's the key application driver of AI? And so my list was games or autonomous driving or expert systems like in medicine or conversational platforms. So you really think it has been games in the last, let's say, five, six years that's been pushing AI? Yeah, I, I think games has really has has, has been the leader. Mm -hmm. But I, I would I would also say that the reason that everybody is talking about AI is that it has really spilled over into the rest of society. Mm -hmm. yeah? And one of the key things that happened was that people realized that AI was not about having human beings being like super geniuses and figuring it all out and to make the computer smart. Mm -hmm. What we instead looked at is, if I just let the computer experience enough through simulations, mm -hmm. it can learn how to deal with real-world situations. Mm -hmm. yeah. So say I want to build a self-driving car, what people think is that I'm going to drive the car around a lot, and then eventually it's going to learn to drive on a real street. But in fact, what we're doing is that we We build a game-like situation. We build a city. We put pedestrians in there. We put other cars in there, cars that drive, cars that are parked. And then you put your virtual self-driving car in there. And then you train on millions and millions, if not billions of miles of virtually driven <laughs> cars on roads in cities that does not really exist. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. And that's the way... You sort of train these systems, train the computer, the onboard computer in the car yeah. to deal with real-world situations. And right. that shift, that is what happened over the last five years. Mm -hmm. So it's using kind of 3D virtual reality to create virtual training sets for AI. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I, I just saw you kind of engage in some partnership with like DeepMind, right? Is, is that, that sort of kind of the direction where, where that, that uh, joint venture is going? Yeah, uh, the DeepMind relationship is very, is very, very interesting. Uh, we've been partnering with DeepMind to uh, basically enable their development of uh, virtual worlds and mm -hmm. virtual environments so that they can develop new algorithms to solve problems in these virtual environments and do that at scale. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And uh, the, the fantastic uh, thing about DeepMind is that they, from the origin, realized that biology plays an important role here. A lot of people are always asking me, what, what is artificial intelligence? How do we define it? Mm -hmm. yeah? And then we get into this philosophical discussion of what is intelligence. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the only real intelligence we know, that's our own intelligence, yeah? the biological right. intelligence. Yep. Yeah? And Uh, what the founders at DeepMind realized uh, early on was that if we look over the shoulder of nature and start looking at some of the challenges that biological organisms they meet, mm -hmm. yeah, and we try to see if the computer can learn to solve those obstacles or those tasks, mm -hmm. then we are now replicating and learning, sort of we're relearning some of the things that nature figured out but doing it in computers. Right. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that was a long promise, right, sort of of neural networks, right? That was the early promise of neural networks. Oh, well, let's just sort of recreate a synthetic brain, right? And so in the brain, <laughs> neurons talk to each other, so let's have little nodes that talk to each other. And again, for a long time, right, I mean, this goes back to the 50s, 60s, right, uh, kind of the early attempts. So what really has changed? Is it basically... Uh, processing power, data availability uh, that has been kind of making these ideas that have been around for a long time now starting to become fruitful? Yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm almost saying yes. It is, it is <laughs> as simple as that. Yeah. I think what we as humans, we tend to think that the world we live in was sort of like this all the time. Yeah, But think about it. There was really no uh, concept of apps as we know it today. Sure. Uh, a little over a decade ago, yeah, mm -hmm. came yep. literally with the iPhone, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what does apps do? Well, they track where we are every second of the day, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, they capture data all the time, yeah. Well, a little over ten years ago, apps didn't really right. they were not around. They didn't yep. capture data. They didn't capture location, yeah. Uh, that's the data side, yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that very few people realize that an iPhone or, or whatever mobile phone you carry is likely to have the computing power of thousands of supercomputers from the yep. late 90s. 90s. Right, yep. yeah. <laughs> so computing power and data is not as, is really a new thing. And that's why all this happened over mm -hmm. the last decade. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, um You've described AI, and I think you just sort of said it in, in different words, right? Sort of as systems that learn, right, instead of being programmed, right? So it's not the omniscient uh, programmer who knows all the rules and puts it just in, uh, but we let the machine kind of learn by itself. So in my uh, simple-minded view, uh, and so since now I have the world's expert on AI on the on the <laughs> on the program, I want to ask you these questions. Um, so. Uh, I start out thinking about analyzing data with a regression, right? And that's sort of where I know what are the variables and what's the functional form. Um, how does how do, do we kind of lose these constraints as we go into machine learning and then we go into deep reinforcement learning? So what are the constraints that are being uh, opened up when we let the machine learn? Yeah, uh I think that we have gone through several phases. You know, mm -hmm. there was a phase where the programmer knew everything, or at least they thought they knew yeah, everything, of course. and mm -hmm. they didn't, and that's why so many programs are broken. Yeah. <laughs> then we moved to a phase where uh, uh, where we became data-driven, yeah, and the data science aspect became so important. Mm -hmm. And that was an important stepping stone, but it was nothing but a stepping stone, yeah. Uh, at, at that time, and it's that time this still exists, in some enterprises, for instance, yeah, where uh, humans, very, very skilled humans, analyze, they look at data, they guess a bit, they have a gut feel, they, they pick out the important features of the data, mm -hmm. they have an idea of where they're headed, so they use the right mathematics or statistics to get there. Um, and, and that has been working for some time. But what we're seeing now with with the wave of AI is that we have now systems that learn which data matters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the old rule that people would always present to me is like garbage in, garbage out. Well, 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 it's changing. <laughs> it's more like garbage in, and then something happens and signal comes out yeah. at the other end. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, and that's because these systems are uh, capable of learning from massive amount of data. So they are basically able to learn what's noise, 
and what doesn't matter mm-hmm. and what is signal and matters. So in that sense, we're sort of transitioning away from that kind of human involvement in data-driven decision-making and starting to tell, to let the computer figure out what the signal is for. Yeah. Uh, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nikolai Zikolko, and my guest is uh, Dr. Danny Lang, uh, Vice President of Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning at Unity Technologies. Now, you just mentioned... Um, Right, sort of these machines, they take data in, and then something happens, and uh, <laughs> out comes a uh, some kind of output. So, if systems learn, uh, they will come up with some new rules. That's the whole purpose, right? That we don't give them the rules; they're coming up with new rules. But sometimes it might become a problem, right? If we never understand what are actually the rules that these machines have evolved. Um, so I'm thinking about the self-driving car, right, and the typical moral problem of uh, if there's an accident that cannot be avoided, right, who should I hit? And somehow somehow the car made a decision. And uh, will we be able to actually reconstruct of why the car made that decision or what the rule is, right? And is, is that sort of a potential problem that we'll be running into, that these rules that will emerge will become completely opaque to us and we are back sort of to a really black box? Yeah, hmm. yeah that, that was... That was a, a part of that latest wave. Yeah? Okay. So when it learns what's noise and it learns what signals, we all get excited. Yeah. <laughs> we get excited that within the billions and billions of of synthetic neurons inside the computer, it learns something that we don't. We cannot even, you know, look at it. I, I can't. I cannot look at an MRI of your brain and know what you're thinking right away. Actually, it's, it's, that's complicated stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the same here. We're looking at it, saying it made a good decision, but I'm not sure why it made that decision. Yeah. So there are a couple of. So there's going to come and and we we're sort of seeing the initial glimpses of what's next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, what's next is that. Uh, what we today consider like a single AI or single machine learned system, yeah? What I think is gonna happen is that we're gonna see aggregations of systems, yeah? So you're gonna have a system that's gonna make the best driving direction, yeah? Mm-hmm. But there's also gonna be a system that has learned concepts like uh, curiosity. It's a big one right now, it's a very new research area, but you basically implement curiosity into a system and what it, let, let's just say you're driving around, and if you're, you're cu- the curiosity part of your car mm-hmm. <laughs> will try to drive an alternative, alternative route yep. to just figure out if, if this is more pleasant, is this faster, are there fewer stops on this one, mm-hmm. something like that. Is it safer? Things like that, yeah? Yep. But what if you start adding other things in, like empathy, yeah? Mm-hmm. So there is a part of the car that has an empathy model. Uh, it has been trained to, let's say, value a young life mm-hmm. over an older life, for example. I'm just using some examples yep. here. Yep. So that system will now feed into the overall decision-making. Mm-hmm. So rather than trying to to think like an old software engineer and say, how do I make this car uh, 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 not hit the child, but something else, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, rather, you actually train different aspects of the system separately, and then they will compete at the decision-making moment, yeah? Uh, that the aggregation of multiple systems and multiple AIs becomes sort of an, an AI in its own. And isn't that how our brain works? Yeah. I, I see kind of a future for uh, AI psychiatrists, 
Uh, right, because when these, <laughs> why did my car behave this way? Well, today it was really curious, um, and the empathy model really kind of had a bad day this morning. Yeah. Uh, right, you, you you scooped me on that one. I actually I actually did post on on Twitter that maybe we need that, and uh-huh. some people were highly offended and said, "Well, that's not real science." <laughs> yada, yada, yada. And, uh, but you are not you're not totally off. If we cannot mechanically look inside and determine why did it make that decision right. can we can we query can we inquire to the system and that way learn that it made the wrong decision because it 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 it, it here's how it you know if it you you you, you give it some choices yeah right uh, and, and you learn from 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 basically inquire the system you learn how it makes those decision and you decide it's making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't train it correctly. Yeah. Right. That, that I, you know, we are laughing here, but yeah. seriously? No, absolutely. Um, the, so maybe kind of can you give us a couple more kind of interesting examples of kind of uses of AI that you're seeing currently being developed? Uh, so, so clearly we, we've talked about kind of, right, a uh, AI system basically learning within virtual worlds. Um, but kind of for what purposes, for instance, right? So we have autonomous cars and trying to do that. What What are some other kind of interesting applications that you have seen that, yeah, that is currently yeah. under development? Yeah, I, I want to. I want let, let me give you a couple of examples that are of of, of real value. Say that you are a uh, a an Uber or a Lyft. Yeah, we know that the most important thing for those companies, one of the most important user experiences is that if you order a car, it will actually show up where you wait for it and <laughs> you'll get into the car and get the right going as soon as possible. Yeah, No running around and trying to figure out you know, where the car is. Yeah, And in, in that circumstance, this is an example where, where an AI can control where where the car shows up. It can, con- it can tell you where to meet the car. And it can basically, you know, it has millions and millions of trips made every day yeah so mm-hmm. you can basically start experiment you can start learn where are the optimal pickup spots yeah mm-hmm. there, there are all people are always i know this people are always asking for cars in places where they cannot stop uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So what the computer learns is to direct the rider to the you know to the corner to the curb mm-hmm. and say that's where the car will stop yeah yeah but again no software engineer designed that. It's the computer experimenting, and mm. without, you know, after a few hundred attempts, you'll figure out that it's much better to ask people to go over there rather than stay here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very practical uh, uh, problem solved using, yeah. using, using AI. Yeah? Uh, I also want to give other examples where, for instance, we have done, uh, I mentioned curiosity as an example. So you, you can basically use curiosity in your product recommendations yeah traditionally today product recommendations on say amazon and ebay and other sites like that they are just trying on netflix too yeah mm-hmm. they're just trying to show you something they think you really like yeah mm-hmm. but think about if the system was really curious you'll try to show you stuff where it's like i don't have i have no clue whether you like this mm-hmm. i have no clue mm-hmm. yeah so let me show you this first, and then I will now learn something about you that I did not know. Right. Yeah. Those systems are not—they're coming, but they're not in production today, mm-hmm. and they're clearly inspired by, by biology yeah. Yeah. and by by living beings. 
Right. So coming that. coming back and to experimentation, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, now, um, so of course, one of the big fears is that AI might displace a lot of jobs. Now, of course, we've just created a new job category of uh, uh, AI psychiatrists. Um, but uh, kind of, what skills would you advise uh, our children and our students kind of to acquire, kind of in this world that's kind of evolving and where maybe certain jobs will become fairly obsolete because AI can just do them much better? Yeah. So let's 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 just face it. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I belong to the school that believe this is going to have like a dramatic impact, mm-hmm. and it is going to change uh, the way we work. Period. I also think this is a fantastic opportunity because uh, when the computer can help us with a lot of stuff, what's left? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What's really left at the end? We are left, yeah? Mm-hmm. So people-to-people stuff, I'm very broad here, people-to-people stuff mm-hmm. is going to be more important than ever. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants a, a computerized doctor to tell them that they are, you know, very, 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 very ill and have, you know, two months to live in. Yeah. They would for sure... You would prefer a human to tell you that, yeah. <laughs> Who's going to hold your hand? Not a robot. I'm not buying that one. Mm-hmm. Theater, movie, sports, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. I mean, like chess is still super popular, though mm-hmm. chess computers are better than any human. <laughs> right. We yeah. don't care about chess computers. You only care about humans yeah. playing humans. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think we're going to see just sports, theater, art, culture as a whole and human-to-human interaction being the differentiator. Yeah. And I don't think that's actually a bad world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's really fascinating. Um, one last question. Um, so AI has become sort of a bit the new technological battlefield, right? And some people people are saying it's like uh, the new Cold War of between, let's say, the U.S. and China. And as the economists put it, like China is the Saudi Arabia of data, right? <laughs> kind of, uh, and and you said, right? Sort of, data is the key driver of AI. Uh, but obviously, your um, right, your company is a European company, and so we have still some Japanese companies. Um, do you see this sort of as being a big area of conflict in the future, or do you have sort of a more positive uh, outlook of uh, we'll we'll use AI kind of for, for the betterment of everyone? Yeah. I, I, I think it is sort of goes both ways. Mm-hmm. I, I like to be an optimist and, and, and see it from the bright side. And uh, I, I do think this is uh, this, uh, what we're seeing right now is an immense collaboration between uh, between different companies. It actually has the AI. AI research is one of the most open research areas in society today. It's, it's, yeah. It's 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 open source. It's it's very very kind of academic in nature. Shang is is going on. Yeah, on the downside is that these are very powerful tools and powerful technologies, and obviously, nations will nations and corporations will at one point sort of look inwards and say, yeah. huh, uh, we need to probably have the the upper hand on this." Right. Okay, well, and unfortunately, that's, that's all that we have time for today, Danny. Okay. We could have continued this. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank right. you, Thank you much. so much. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.